I'm going to read you three verses. I held it four, but I think it's three. Uh, in First Timothy chapter six, and uh, if you've been, if you're visiting, we've been preaching. I say we, predominantly me, have been preaching through First Timothy, and so we've, we're kind of wrapping that up. But I wanted to center on. I read it last week, and I didn't really deal with it, but it is a beautiful doxology, and uh, there's more than one doxology. Looking at you, Virginia. Uh, there's more than one. Okay, uh, you know you might you probably know. Praise God from whom all. Like, but throughout the scriptures, we have these. Um, what we might call eruptions of praise. You know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There, there is a praise element that oftentimes when they... Are we, are we dismissing children? I was going to keep them all captive. I just see them loitering. Children, if you would like to go, you're welcome to go. I'm disappointed in all of you. That you're leaving. You and you and you... Just kidding. Willow, you're awesome right now. All right. First Timothy chapter six. And if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. I'm going to be in verses uh, 13 through 16 of first Timothy chapter six. And would you stand as I read it? Hear the word of God. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord of glory, God of love, we thank you for your scripture, your word. God breathed before us that has landed upon our ears. We pray that you would give grace that it might land upon our hearts and bear fruit for your name and for your kingdom. And Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So today, this Christmas, would you speak to us? Lord, would you speak? Father in heaven, Speak, your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Get this open. The Bible talks about three appearings of Jesus. And you're thinking you might know one and two. What's the third? Um, well, we're obviously celebrating appearance number one. The birth of Christ. Um, also in Hebrews chapter nine, it talks about Jesus appearing before God as our high priest who intercedes for us. He, after accomplishing the work, he ascends into heaven and then he is, will appear again. It is the third appearance that Paul is referencing here to Timothy. Uh, and, and we've read, we're saying, I don't know if you probably didn't notice it, but the son of righteousness, that phrase in one of the hymns that we just sang is from Malachi 
uh, chapter 4, which is like right at the end of the Old Testament, the last chapter of the Old Testament, before 400 years of silence, that the sun, the S-U-N, like the sun outside, the sun of righteousness is going to rise, dawn, and shine upon you. That this, this, this language and the imagery of light, that Jesus is the Son of God, but He is the, the S-O-N of God. He's also the S-U-N of righteousness, that He comes and shines in the darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He is, uh, he, he is, his light lights all people, right? John 1, 9, we, we said that in our responsive reading. That Jesus is the light. But there's, so this imagery of dawning and of sunrise is helpful. But I want to make a clear distinction before I, I get into the wonder of what we just read. Because we probably missed it. That the sun, you think about what happened this morning. Just astronomically, right, cosmology, right, whatever. Like the, the sun rose. Why did the sun rise? Did the sun rise because the sun moves? Or did the, did the sun rise to us because we are moving? Right, we're moving. There, right? I don't know if, if you haven't been through this, right? Um, Copernicus and Galileo and all those dudes, they got in some trouble for it. Uh, but the, the, the sun is the center of our solar system and it's basically a static and the earth is in orbit around it. And as it orbits around it, the earth spins. And so one orbit equals one year. One rotation of the planet equals one day. Okay, so the sun doesn't move. It is the earth that moves. Okay? In the same way, in the same way, it is God who is the unchanging, immovable. He, do, he, is, he, he is without Past, he is without future, he is without time, he is without space, he is eternally God, and yet it is he who moves us, and in fact, he is the one who enters in to time and space. Paul erupts into praise as he is commanding, as he's encouraging his protege Timothy don't let these things, all these things that I've taught you throughout this letter, keep them unstained. Hold up good doctrine. Live a holy life. Shepherd God's people. Raise up leaders. Be diligent. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life that's yours. Keep it unstained until the appearing of Jesus our Lord, which He, which God will display at the proper time. God operates on an exact schedule that belongs to God and not us. You think about Galatians chapter 4 when Paul talks to that church, chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, In the fullness of time God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That at the fullness of time, at the exact right time, God sent forth His Son. And if you look at the story of Christmas, you're thinking, that's the right time? You have an almost... You have an autocrat on the throne of Rome. You have, a, a, you have pagan kings. You have, um, you have uh, a, a lost, basically lost uh, Jewish leadership that this is the right time. You have Mary, who's a, a teenage mother who's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, being probably a little bit older than her, 
And they have to rally themselves together and travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is the right time? If you were architecting, that's not a word, word I don't think. Um, if you were making, if you were building the plan, you would probably come up with something different. And yet scripture tells us that that's the right time. And in the same way, the, the appearing, the second appearing of Christ, the full appearing from, earth, from heaven into earth, it will be at the right time, which he will display at the proper time. Dear ones, Jesus has appeared and Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father and Jesus will return again. Jesus will return again. If we, we find ourselves between two appearings. Read, read Titus chapter 2, I think verse 11, right? That we're, we're between the first and the second appearing of Christ. In the, in the first appearing of Christ, He came to do away with sin, to, to set forth the kingdom of God, set forth the gospel, unleash His Spirit, unleash His church as a missionary agent into the world to call up all of those who will believe upon His name. And when He comes again, it will not be to deal with sin, but it will be to finally vindicate the righteousness of God, to to finally gather up all of his lost ones and to put to death finally and fully evil. He will set the world to rights. So we find ourselves between the first and the second peering of Christ during the, the age of the church, if you will. And we have been equipped with everything. We have the gospel, which is the power of God under salvation for everyone who believes. We have the Spirit of God that has been planted in us that we collectively are a temple of God and you individual Christian, you are, you are a housing, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are equipped and blessed during these days. And there have been too many people in church history who have said the second appearing of Jesus is going to come now. Right? It's going to come now. And you might be thinking that, right? Things look like... Uh, I won't say all the things that are in my head. Things look bad sometimes in our world. Right? Anybody in testifiers, right? If 2022, ever, you know, 2020 through 2022 has been kind of a rough, weird season. Uh, and we're not going to get into all of that. Maybe you're thinking, well, these are the last days. And I just want to clue you in. We're just, we're in the last days. Christ has appeared. Christ is appearing again. Last days. Okay? Last days. And so during the last days, you need to be about last days business. Live for Jesus, tell other people about Christ, and look for his appearing. It's it we, we can we can kind of we can kind of get it complicated, but it's simple, right? Jesus has come, Jesus has come so that you will be saved. So that you will be rescued from sin and from death. That your ultimate issue is the one that Jesus came to die for. Not the one that you feel is the most crippling today. Right? It's not your bank account. It's not your health. God cares about all those things. But your biggest problem is the reason for which Jesus came. He came as a lamb, the lamb of God to be slain, to reconcile you, to bring you back to God. To get your sin out of the way so that you can know God. And it is only by Christ that you are brought to God. The appearance of Christ 
is the powerful invasion of God into into the fallen world that we live in to rescue us and to set this world right. And so we're telling everybody we can until the day comes when Jesus comes again. And dear ones, there will be no more time. Time. The appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So who is this immovable, immovable God who has in Christ adopted a human nature to come and rescue us? There's more here than I can ever unpack. Certainly on a Christmas morning when all you guys are thinking about, I know all of you here, right? All of you have your new toys. And uh, not them down there. All of you have your new toys, right? Maybe not. Maybe your new books. I got a book last night I was super jazzed about. Um, Only one, I guess. Okay. Uh, So the appearing of Christ, which he will display. Who is the one who is doing the displaying? Who is the one who is going to say, Jesus comes now? God, the Father. Now listen there, this, Listen to all of the characteristics that are given of God. These attributes. He is the blessed. He is the only sovereign. He's the King of kings. The Lord of lords. Who alone has immortality. Who dwells in unapproachable light. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This is the only, this is the second place in the New Testament. The first one you probably don't remember was in chapter one of 1 Timothy, where Paul uses the idea of blessed as an attribute of God. But that God is altogether content. He's altogether happy. He's altogether full. God stands in need of nothing and no one. And so this plan, even, even back it up from the plan of the gospel, this plan to say, let there be Light and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was not because of some de- deficiency in God, right? You do not fill a void in God's life. This world, with all of the people that have ever been or ever will be, do not fill a void in God's life. The beauty of the cosmos that we have barely begun to scratch how deep and wide and magnificent and beautiful space and galaxies and nebulas and Lord knows what else is out there. That does not fill up something in God that he needed full. God was not sitting around in eternity past saying, I really need to be happy. So I'm going to make a bunch of yahoos like you. He is like me, like not you, not you, like me, not you. I missed, it was my, my manuscript's wrong. It was, it was meant to be me. He is the blessed. This is the only place twice in First Timothy that, that I believe uh, that blessed is used as an attribute of God. That he's blessed. He's full. Have you ever thought about God as the most happy being ever in the universe for all of eternity? Maybe this, needs, maybe this is the renovation work that needs to happen on your understanding of God. He is the happiest. And this is why, right, this needs to be like seven sermons, y'all. But this, this is why, right, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus endures the shame. Why? For the joy set before him. Psalm 45, verse 6, that he has been anointed with the oil of gladness beyond his companions. That Jesus is joyous. The work, it is finished. It's done. 
And yet, in his humanity, we see Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, weeping. And yet we see at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus weeping. And in fact, there at the same tomb, he's, he's deeply moved. He's indignant in spirit at the presence of death that has swallowed up his friend. That in the person of Christ, you have this marvelous combination of the divine nature of God, the second person of the triune God, eternally blessed, eternally joyous, eternally full, who takes on a human nature. You have two natures in one person. And in the human nature, He experiences our temptation. He he experiences our hunger and our thirst, our weariness and our brokenness over death. And He weeps. And dear ones, there's no other Savior that can be offered to you. That is this man. All truly God and truly man. He is blessed and the only sovereign. How much time we got? Only sovereign. That there is no one and there is nothing that supersedes the power and the authority of God. There's no one and nothing, nor nothing, I don't know, or nothing, there's nothing that is above Him. There's no, no power, whether it be personalized or simply the, 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 like the law of gravity sort of dictates that you can't fly. Right? Any, everybody? Is there any, any outliers here? I need to know. Isaac Newton wants a word. Um, that, that, that you are bound, right? You're bound by time. You're bound by space. You're not there. You're here. You're not at home. You're here. You're not at the mall. You're here. You're not at grandma's house. You're here. You can't be more than one place. You're bound by time, right? You're not 30 years ago. You're not 30 years from now. You're not, you're not right now you're not 30 seconds from now. But now you're 30 seconds than you were. All right, it gets complicated. But you're bound, You're bound by finitude. You're bound by the laws of gravity and thermodynamics and whatever else. All the things that bind us. God is not bound like that. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by space. He's not bound by you or me. He's not bound by Satan and his minions. Right? He alone is the only sovereign. It is not as though God's here Satan is here and they got to like duke it out and we really, really hope God wins. No, God is another whole order of being from anything else. There is creator and there is created, period. There's creator, the blessed and only sovereign, the father, son and Holy Spirit, the makers of the maker of the heavens and the earth, excuse me, there's one, one maker of the heavens and the earth and there's everything else. There are angels, there's fallen angels, there's men, there's women, there's planets, and there's creatures at the bottom of the sea that are waiting for you to discover them. But all of those things are created. And God alone is sovereign, and He is sovereign over everything. He sits as king over everything. And everyone, in all of history, from the first blink of light, to the final day when God consumes the heavens and the earth with fire and they're reborn in a new heavens and a new earth. God is sovereign for all of eternity. Ten million trillion gazillion years from now, He's still sovereign. 
He's still blessed and he's still sovereign. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Really, the best way to say this is, I mean, the translators did fine. That's probably what you've heard. And by the way, just uh, if you're needing proof today, which you shouldn't, but if you're needing proof today that the Bible regards Jesus as on the same, same level as God, right? Jesus is not created. Um, the second person of the Trinity is not created. Uh, he's not adopted. He is God. This same language, this exact same language, in fact, uh, that is here attributed to God, who is going to bring about the appearing of the Lord Jesus at the end of the age, is attributed to Jesus twice in the book of Revelation. Revelation 17 and Revelation 19, when Jesus returns and he has it written on his garment and on his thigh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And the way to understand this is not just those who occupy the positions of Lord and occupy the positions of King, but it's those who are, he is the King of those who are Kinging. He's the Lord of those who are Lording. So it's not just those who, who were once kings, who, who were once lords, but even right now, for all of those who hold any sort of authority, political, and you're in your family, or in your community, whatever, all of those things are under the rulership of God. Have you thought, I mean, how freeing is it? That Jesus is the king of the president of the United States. He's the king of the chairman of the Communist Party of China. He's the king of all. He is the only sovereign. And there's no one, no matter their political clout, no matter their armies or their philosophical acumen, whatever they've got, that can unseat him and undo his plan. That he is appearing. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, to Jesus. And that means all authority will be accountable to him. Okay, that's another sermon. Let's keep going. This is the God who has come to rescue in his son. This is the God who remains God even as the son comes. This is the God who... Jesus, yes, he, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, right? Philippians 2. But Jesus does not cease somehow, the second person of the Trinity does not cease somehow to be God. There's no point that Jesus does not, is not the one who is upholding the universe by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1. So there's this simul, simultaneous, right? That there's no way, can you, could, could you imagine that this God who's blessed and who's only sovereign, who's the King of kings and Lord of lords, who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, that somehow all of that would be bottled up, fully contained in a human. No, it can't happen. But this is how God has sent His Son to rescue us. He's come as one of us. He, he hasn't left his, his godly duties, but he's come as one of us. So even the babe in the manger, weak, vulnerable, hungry, tired, crying. He cried, y'all. Don't, don't let that song tell you. No crying he makes. Right. Mm -hmm. That same babe in his divine nature 
is upholding the universe by the word of his power. This is our king. King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality. He alone has immortality. Earlier I read that he gives life to all things. I just want the grandeur of God to rest on you. That's the great application of this message. Right? I'm not going to hear, it's not going to end with like, you know, three ways to go be Christmas to somebody or something like that. That's not today, okay? I just want you to revel that this is the God who has sent his son like that to save you. Who alone has immortality. What's immortality? Live forever, right? It's more, mortal means you die. Immortal means you don't die. So that one, all life comes from him. He gives life to all things, verse 13. And then he's also the only one who has immortality. If you're going to live beyond the grave, it is only because of Christ. Only because of what God has done in Jesus. And in fact, a way to change the way you see the world, if there is life around you, which right now there is, it is from God. Not just the life of people, but God is the one who animates all life. I'm not saying that he is all life. Don't misunderstand me. There's a distinction there. But life comes from him. Whether it be the grasshopper or the bald eagle or the sea slug or you. You choose which one you're closer to today. And maybe you need a 2023 resolution to change that. (laughs) Who alone has immortality? Who alone has life? It is God. And who dwells in unapproachable light. And and this is where I want to... No one has ever seen him. Okay, we'll get to that. But he dwells in unapproachable light. And this is some of you. I, I don't know where all of you are with the Lord. I don't have, I wish I had those glasses, right? You just slide them on and be like, oh, you're saved, saved, regenerate. You, no, I'm kidding. Um, I wish I had them, but I don't. So I have to say this. Who dwells in unapproachable light. We need the light to come to us because we cannot, because of our sin, because of our dishonoring of God, because of our rebelling against God, we cannot come to him on our own terms. He dwells in unapproachable light. You cannot come to God on your own terms. You have to come to God on his terms because he has first come for you. You cannot come to God. If so, and what do I mean by that? I mean, you can't save yourself. All of the things that you think are going to save you. All of your good works. Right? You have your tallies of here are all the things that you've done well. Maybe you do this for this year, right? You, I, I was really good here and here and here. And if there's any shred of you that thinks that somehow you're going to turn that list of tally marks up to God and say, look at me, God. Look at what I have done. He dwells in unapproachable light. And all of those things that you think are good, that you've done outside of Jesus, they are filthy rags, Scripture says. What you need is the light to come to you, and you need the righteousness of Jesus. You need a righteousness to be given to you that you cannot cannot provide, that you cannot develop on your own. You need what God offers you in Jesus. He dwells in unapproachable light. That's why so often when he shows up, like Mount Sinai, right? You have all the storm, but there's, there's a deep darkness there. Or, or this crazy scene, right? You're going to read the Bible through this year. 
or mostly through, right? Bible reading plan, do that. Genesis 15, where, where God is ratifying his covenant with Abram. And, and don't, don't, I know there's a whole million things I want to say about it. But all of a sudden, it's like deep darkness settles in. When God shows up, it's like deep darkness because there's this, there's this separation between fallen sinful humanity and holy God. And that separation can only be breached by the entrance of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. It is a God-initiated salvation. Do you understand that? God initiates it. God accomplishes it. God applies it. It is for His glory alone. It's His. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So this year, don't try to save yourself. God forbid it. But lean upon what God has done for you in Jesus Cast yourself wholly and totally and only upon what God has done for you in Jesus. And then you'll be ready for the appearing of the Son of Man. When you have surrendered all of your self-righteousness, you've surrendered all of your boasting and what you've done, you've surrendered all of your boasting in your family and of your work and of your whatever you've got. What are all the things that you want to boast about? You abandon those and you be like Paul says, I boast only in the cross. By which... I have been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. Galatians 6.14. He dwells in unapproachable light. And finally, whom no one has ever seen or can see. The other, well, I had a dream about this. I was, I was thinking about this like, I don't know, days and days ago. And I was thinking, how, how can you be, right? In him we live and move and have our being. And yet we cannot see him. Moses saw his... The, the, the back of God. He did not see the totality of God. It's almost as though, right, imagine standing inside, I've never been there, but inside the Grand Canyon. Everybody, mentally jump there. You're safe. It's just a mental jump. You don't need a parachute or anything. You're going to land fine. Now you're facing the wall of the Grand Canyon. Inside, the bottom, you're like this on the wall of the Grand Canyon. Is, do you have any hope of seeing the totality of the Grand Canyon? No, you can't. You, you, in Him we live and move and have our being, and yet he's, he's right in front of you, but you cannot see all of God. There is no way that creaturely eyes can behold all of God, of His immensity and magnitude and beauty and glory and radiance. He who cannot see all of Him. And yet, God in Christ, He says, let me make myself known to you that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. That in Him, all of the fullness of God dwells bodily. If you want to know Jesus, look to Christ. I mean, you want to know God, look to Christ. What does Philip say in John 14? Philip says, we would see the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You, you cannot behold God on a workaround from Jesus. Meditation in your closet will not reveal a clearer picture of God than you will find in Christ. Another world religion will not give you a clearer picture of God than what you find in Jesus Christ. Looking deep within your heart for your own self-actualization will not Yield a clearer picture of God than what you see in the face of Jesus Christ. So look to Jesus where God has made Himself known to you. And He's come near to you. 
so that you would be brought to God and that you would be brought to life? Would you know him? And would you have the heart of Paul where you're able to praise when you start thinking about the greatness of God and you say to him be honor? Would he be regarded as more important than me or more important than anything else and to him be eternal dominion? May his rule be seen and know from shore to shore, from pole to pole, from the beginning of the age to the end of the age. All glory be to him. Would that be our heart on just Christmas? For he has come for his own glory to save you for your own good, to do that which you can't do on your own. Christ has come to make this God known so that you may believe him in faith. Would you trust him? Would you come to life? If, you've, if you're still living, thinking you could save yourself, would you stop it? This year has taught you, just be honest for a second, just, you know right now that you can't. You can't. You're exhausted. You're threadbare. You might be despairing today. And I want to say to you, if this, is, this has been a year of despair, and you're outside of Christ... Your despair is actually a good place to start. Because despair will lead you into dependence. And in dependence, you will find true faith. So in despair, don't look to the darkness, but look to the light. Christian, you have a wonderful treasury in the gospel of Christ. You have been given Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.3, you've been given everything. God has given us his son. Will he not also with him give us all things? Romans 8.32, I think. What an inheritance you have. And you're just now beginning to taste it. So look with expectation that Jesus is going to come again. And that when he does, all of your hopes will be realized. All your fears will be dispelled. And what the glory we will see. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that Christmas is on Sunday this year. We can do this today. What is more fitting? Would you, would you grant... That the glory of God, the, the, the kabod, the weight, the gravity, the significance and importance of God would rest upon our hearts in a fresh, realized way this morning. That we would be God aware as we leave this place and do everything else we're going to do this day and next day and next year. That we would be more God aware, that we would turn our eyes upward in faith that we would live for you, live for your glory, living, believing that your glory and our good intersect in Christ. And Lord, would we trust you? And we pray with Paul to you be all honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Would you stand as we...